What is it about these popular games that just gets under the skin of game enthusiasts? My name's Jonathan, and this is The Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about games as they'd like to know. This week, we continue our descent into negativity, talking about beloved games that the game gurus can't stand. Terrible game. Why are you wasting your life with that? Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. Back with us this week, Steve Tassie. Hello. And David Kingsmill. Hello there. Once again, I will repeat the disclaimer from last time, tasting games is subjective. You should never apologize for games that you love and always apologize for games that you hate. Uh, I'm really, really sorry about all the negativity that I'm bringing to this. I really am. Steve's not sorry, but... Not at all. I'm no, sorry. Ne- never mind him. I, I'm, I'm very sorry. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's some Canadian in you. Obviously. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's good. It's fine. So let's let's get into some more games that uh, that are, that are well-loved. Steve, we haven't had the chance to get you your big bugaboos here. It's Game of Life for, uh, for yeah. David. It was Scattergories for me. What's, mm-hmm. what's your most popular hated game? So how many episodes on this are we going to do? Because <laughs> uh, I have a list. This, this, this is our last chance. Uh, all right. <laughs> just, what, what's the biggest one? What's the one that just drives you? Uh, okay. Well, uh, I... So many to choose from. Um, uh, there's Cards Against Humanity. There's Munchkin. There's Connect Four. Um, these games... Ooh. Okay, let's 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 take them one at a time just quickly then. Yeah. We'll start with Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. Obviously, everybody who works at Snakes and Lattes is sick to death of that game because we just see it too much. Yes, um, yes. And that, that, is, that is one, but not my only objection to the game. Sure. Uh, now, I spent eight years being a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the ability to be humorous and the ability to make people laugh is something to take pride in. Mm-hmm. It's something that... Uh, takes work uh, to to craft a joke into the minimum number of words required to get the maximum humor out of it uh, is something that uh, I envy in the the professional comics that are out there making a living uh, at it. And what Cards Against Humanity does that I hate is it lets people think that they're funny when really all they're doing is reading the text off a card. Yeah, they're reading other people's jokes. Yeah. Um, so I I hate that. I also dislike the fact that the game divorces you from responsibility for the horrible things that you're saying. Right. Mm. Yes, you could choose to play a different card. And so your choice of cards, you know, I'm not going to play the most offensive card that's in my hand mm-hmm. because I don't want to offend. But that's not what people are playing the game no, for. And plus, they, if you, in, in most cases, it's uh, the tabletop. If you play the least offensive card, you're not going to win that yeah, round. Unless it's Batman. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. That's the card that always wins, always, forever, and ever. And, uh. or possibly <laughs> but, the dark side. But the, the, the point is, it, by giving you permission to say horrible things, many people are normalizing these horrible things. Right. Uh, and I'm I'm glad that the people who make the game are are looking at the content from the early days and they they are taking some of it out because uh, it, it's harmful. Um, their philosophy of we should always be punching up with our jokes and never down, I think is a good one. It's one that they didn't live up to in the early days. I just think that uh, the more... We ex- the more we make horrible things commonplace, the less important, the less, 
the less we make the place, the world a nice place to live. Mm. Uh, and, and the last reason I hate it is ask someone who works in a sex store what they think of porn and sex toys and the other wares that they are surrounded <laughs> with every day. They're sick of them. Mm. I have played Cards Against Humanity many times. I, I, I think I have logged officially nine plays of it on BoardGameGeek.com <laughs> and there will never be another one because I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. I never really enjoyed it in the first place, but I played it because it was expedient to do so. I didn't want to fight the Your group. friends wanted to play. Um, and... So it's not like I heard about the game and decided that it was just too offensive to play. Right. Uh, I love a good, dirty joke as much as the next person. As I said, I did comedy. Uh, I am not one of those people who says there's topics that are taboo and should never be joked about. I just think that this game is flooding the world with poorly crafted jokes about bad topics. Yeah, I don't consider any of those topics to be off limits. It's just that uh, when you sort of put it out there in the wild where you you have no idea what the context is going to be, have no sort of sense of uh, how this is going to work, well, sure, sometimes it's going to result in combinations that force people to consider those topics that are kind of hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. And that might potentially do some good. But there's also every possibility that some, some combination of cards is going to come up that's going to make one of the people at the table feel horrible while everybody else is laughing and they don't want to speak up and say anything yeah Mm. and also one of the things i hate is seeing families play this game with their children Mm. parents have the right to parent however they want to parent 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 (laughs) Uh, if you want to take your kids to deadpool take your kids to deadpool (laughs) but sweet jeebus don't be expected if you have uncomfortable conversations with those children uh afterwards same with this game i have seen tables where mom and dad and you know a 10 year old kid have been playing this game and mom and dad either don't think there's anything wrong with it or don't actually know what they are up against here and mm-hmm. i'm really hoping that in situations like that mom and dad are perfectly well aware of what's going on and they're taking this as an opportunity to talk about this stuff just like they would you know watch their 10 year old kid play grand theft auto or something you know? although i think that the situation that you run up against there is how many conversations are you going to have? Because mm-hmm. at least with something like Grand Theft Auto, there's four or five topics that need to be addressed, but then you've taken care of most of it. Mm. Whereas a seven out of every eight cards that come out of that box <laughs> are a new topic that need to be discussed, and then one maybe comes back a little bit later. And, you know, credit to the variety that they've managed to force into that box. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're going to if you're doing this for the purposes of having a conversation, when do you stop? Do you just play one round and then talk about each issue that's come up as a result of it or, you know, I feel like as an education tool this just isn't valid. Mm. Uh, I think it's too complex. I think if you take one card out of the box each day and have a serious conversation, that might be a way of doing it. But if you're actually playing the game and playing more than one round, you're going to run into too much. Now, this is the thing, though. Generally speaking, somebody goes to a board game cafe, they're not interested in having a serious conversation. Nope. They mm-hmm. want to laugh at silly stuff and have a good time. And that's what that's what Cards Against Humanity delivers on for most people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like us, we see this all the time. We think about these things. We can't help it. Yeah, I think my my one of my biggest problems with it, and I, I agree with some of the points that Steve's come up with, but um, I also have a problem with the lack of creativity in the game. The um, fact that you don't have to make up any yeah, of these jokes. Yeah, and it's, there are games that, and, and what I think what bothers me the most 
Uh, and this is, it comes back to what I was saying, I think, in the last episode, is people's reticence to look at what has come after. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong about this, uh, but I believe that Cards Against Humanity was sort of, uh, and apples to apples as well, of course, uh, are, are the precursors and the popularizers, that's such a thing as a word, of things like snake oil amongst the community that's willing to try it. But they the, definitely came before Snake Oil, um, but there are other games that I think are better than Cards Against Humanity that actually came first. The, Fair the, enough. The progenitor of that whole genre of who did what is, of course, uh, the Dictionary game, which is published as Balderdash. Yeah. Right. And right, right, uh, right. that was a game that required a great deal of creativity, a great deal of investment, and that's why it's no longer as popular as Apples to mm. Apples or Cards Against Humanity. That's the problem is people, and I think we spoke about this in the acting episode that mm-hmm. uh, you and I and Scott did a while ago, mm-hmm. is that reticence to actually think for oneself in a game. Or to put um, yourself in the game, because yeah. there's something of you there that can be judged at that point. Yeah. And, and people are rightfully afraid of judgment. Sure. And if people were, you know, the, the description of Snake Oil that we gave in that episode put people off. There's a game I have since played called But Wait, There's More right. that does the same thing, but it gives you an even bigger prompt. Uh, Scott's example of monkey pants uh, is no longer necessarily all there is. You might be selling trousers that cook perfect eggs every time and are the right size for bigger cats. And it gives you this a little bit more of a prompt than snake oil, which just gives you monkey pants and you have to make of that what you will. And there are games out there that will let you actually engage with it a lot more. And I think my biggest problem with Cards Against Humanity is the lack of engagement I have with it. I'm not playing a game, I'm playing the current judge. And I almost invariably lose this because my sense of humor <laughs> leans towards um, trying to come up with something. Uh, I don't even know what the right word is for it, but a little bit more smart than cards really wants to encourage. Um, I think one of my favorite combinations I ever came up with was for my next trick, I'm going to pull Morgan Freeman's voice out of grandma just because of the completely ludicrous nature of that. But somebody played Batman or the Dark Side or other things we can't say on this podcast, <laughs> and I was never in with a hope, right. even though everybody laughed at it. And it's that that I I don't like that restriction of it's all about the dirty jokes and it's all about what's printed on the card. There are people out there who are going to tell you that oh, there is a tremendous amount of creativity in Cards Against Humanity that you have to. Uh, work to find those combinations like pulling Morgan Freeman's voice out of grandma but they're wrong (laughs) in my opinion well thanks Steve I'm glad we've got that cleared up (laughs) Um, there is no creativity to deciding which cards that are pre-written go with which other cards that are pre-written in something like Mad Libs you have to decide which word is going to go there you have to come up with a word on your own yeah. It's it's different when you're given 10 different things to use to fill in a blank. It becomes multiple choice. Yeah. And again that this this is precisely the reason why this game is popular because it's easy. And mm-hmm. and and the word uh that uh, that gets used more often than any other when people tell me what sort of game they're looking for at the cafe is uh, is after fast paced is easy. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the reasons why enthusiasts aren't so much into it. We're we're looking for challenge. So other stuff that okay you mentioned Connect Four yeah well a computer can win Connect Four one hundred times out of one hundred so yeah kind of when you have Quarto and uh, Pentago and stuff like that it's yeah there are other better versions yinch. of that same idea of getting things in a row Yinch is a fine example uh, that's you know Connect Four by way of Othello have and... we mentioned Munchkin yet. 
Uh, I, I said the name um, right, in right. my in my list, uh, but we haven't actually talked about that wretched, wretched, vile <laughs> piece of uh, wasted trees. Um, wow. Anybody want to say anything about it? Uh, yeah, well, you clearly have some rather strong feelings. I do. I do. Um, I find the most interesting thing about Munchkin is that um, in the early part of the 21st century, I uh, found myself in possession of quite a, a few of the different Munchkin sets uh, due to going to conventions and found yourself in possession. Yeah, I never bought any. That's I a never very bought passive any. voice there, Steve. <laughs> um, I would trade the games that I made uh, for games that were being represented by other people at the convention. So someone would want m- one of my you know Grave Robbers games, and so I'd give them one. And he was a, a man in black for Steve Jackson, so he'd give me uh, a Munchkin in return. Right. So I never paid any money for Munchkin. And uh, I would have friends over, and someone would see Munchkin on the shelf and say, oh, can you teach me that? And so I would. And so as a result, I have played Munchkin a number of times. But the interesting thing is that none of my friends that I ever taught Munchkin to ever asked me to play it again. (laughs) And I think that says something about the quality of the game. Um, I've been forced to play it a number of times because as the teacher, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there, I'm guiding everybody through it, but no one in my circle wants to play it again. I've had tables at the cafe who, uh, usually young boys around 10 or 12 who have played the game before, but need a teach on it because none of the rules stuck in their heads because, well, frankly, I'm not surprised the rules are not well written or particularly intuitive. Uh, and there are so many card-based exceptions to the game that um, it is not a game that is suitable for people who want to learn it. In order to play it and to understand it, you have to already know it, uh, which is a very weird paradox of a game. Uh, that's my biggest problem with it, really, is that the sort of person who's going to be drawn to that game is exactly the sort of person who's not ready for that game. We had this same conversation in the cafe the other week or so uh, about Adventure Time Card Wars, and I feel like they both fill that exact same niche of they appeal so strongly to a certain type of person, and that type of person needs to have had pre-education. Adventure Time Card Wars will be very playable by somebody who knows Magic the Gathering once they've brained around the changes that are there. But if no one's been exposed to that kind of game, the sheer quantity of terminology it dumps on the table is inaccessible. And I feel like Munchkin's the same. Yeah, And if you've already played Magic the Gathering, why? Right. Why are you playing Adventure Time Card Wars? Probably because you're an Adventure Time fan. Yeah, but... And maybe you're too tired for Magic right now. Yeah. Magic is such a better game. Well... Because that's what Adventure Time Card Wars did, is it... We're making fun of Magic... As a game on a cartoon, and then someone went, came along and said, hey, we should make that game from the cartoon a real game in real life. Yeah. And so all you're doing is you're stripping away good parts of magic, but leaving the complexity of magic because it was spoofing magic in the first place. All this talk reminds me a bit about who we're talking about with categories. This seems to be something that comes up a bit. Games that are at cross-purposes with themselves. A game like mm. Card Wars or Munchkin, where the appeal is to players who are looking for something simple and easy to get into. A beer yeah. and pretzels game, yeah. but the complexity of, game, of the game makes that impossible. Or a game like Scattergories, where on one hand it's for quiet players, on the other hand it's for loud players. 
And uh, a game that's at, cro- at cro- pur- cross purposes with itself is something that really seems to be a big no-go zone for enthusiasts like yeah. us. And I, I feel like licensing is one of those things that for so long, I mean, it was a, a, a popularly spread theory in the gaming community, and I think probably quite an accurate one for a very long time, that if a game had a license on it, you ignored it completely. Oh yeah, if it's based on a movie or a television series, it's almost always garbage. We did an episode about that a while ago. Now I think that's right. changing. I think there's games that yep. are coming out. There's the, the Game of Thrones game that I haven't had a chance to play yet that's amazing. There's, um, uh, there's XCOM. There's XCOM, which is fabulous. There are uh, several really good Lord of the Rings games. Yeah, now that is, thank goodness finally shifting around a little bit but oh star wars as well there's definitely a few good star wars games Mm -hmm. but i the problem with the license is it appeals to all the people who like that license Mm -hmm. and somebody who wouldn't necessarily play games might search out adventure time uh Mm -hmm. the other one that we were talking about before we started recording is the walking dead Uh, there are several walking dead games in existence Mm -hmm. there are also several games that have adopted the walking dead license like uh no munchkin hasn't yet has it um, Bang, yet, but Bang, Bang has, did. Uh, Risk has. There's a there's a version of Six Nymphed that uses zombie cards <laughs> with Walking Dead photographs on it instead of uh, just the numbers and, and cattle skulls. And the uh, thing with that is that that's just going into the realm of bicycle cards with fancy backs. It's yeah. a game. Now, The Walking Dead Risk admittedly introduces a bunch of rules. There's a, a neutral faction of the walkers that's trying to eat everybody. But... Um, it's at least just kind of taking what it's done and running with it. Whereas there are games that bring in a license. The Walking Dead, the board game, um, I can't recommend to anybody. I tried to play it once solo and I got about three turns into the game and packed it back up again. And that's all the interaction I ever want with it. Yeah, um, uh, the, the Walking Dead board game based on the, the comic book, it's not, in my opinion anyway, it's not a bad game. But it's not a good game. Correct. That's and it doesn't deliver on the promise that it sets out to, to provide something that's going to be entertaining for fans of The Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, it, does, it doesn't deliver what it seems like it's really about. And fans I, of The Walking Dead should just play Dead of Winter. Yes. Yeah. Categorically, because uh, that is The Walking Dead. Spray paint The Walking Dead on their box and just <laughs> play that, because it is the best Walking Dead board game out there. And it if just... it's not mean enough for you, City of Horror. Yeah. yeah. But there's games out there that focus on that social interaction and things like that. Whereas the walking to the board game is all about running around a board. And the problem is that there are people out there who love that so much that they mm-hmm. see that on a box and they will buy it. And they will assume that it is going to live up to the quality of the license that it is based off. And then unfortunately be very disappointed because it doesn't have that entertainment value there. All right, let's wrap up and see what the commonalities are with these games. Reasons why we tend not to like these popular games tend to fall into a couple of categories. Either the game design is at cross-purposes with itself, or it's just a broken design that is uh, where where you make the same choices every time, or you don't make choices, period. Um, And on the opposite side of the coin, the, uh, the reasons why people tend to like these games despite that, or even because of that, are simplicity, accessibility, familiarity, name recognition. Does that sort of cover everything? Yeah, I, I think that all of the games that we've talked about um, have name recognition mm-hmm. as the thing that is why they're popular. It's either because the game has been around for so long that everybody just knows it. Because who didn't play Life as a kid? You know, anyone living in North America and probably uh, Western Europe as well has Certainly played in the UK. It's, has it's played Life, um, but more modern games. Um, have some sort of name recognition as well, either because they're tied to a license that is super popular, um, but people aren't 
being uh, they're drawn in by the name without thinking about whether the game is actually any good, or uh, the game is recent but so huge that everybody's heard of it and knows. I mean, my parents have even heard of Cards Against Humanity. They've never played it, and I never want them to. Um, they are not the sort of 70-year-olds <laughs> who would be into the kind of humor that that game provides. But everyone's heard of it, mm. and that's part of why people are drawn to it. I've heard of it, therefore it must be good. Because it's popular. Yeah. I think what I... The, the one thing that differentiates these games for me into, into two very distinct categories is the ones that actually try and improve on something in their way of doing things. Now, I can't speak for something like uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean edition of Life, but <laughs> from what I've seen of people playing it, it looks like it's just life. Uh, whereas something like The Walking Dead Risk went, okay, how do we actually change this up a little bit? And now there is this third faction. And I like the fact that it's actually attempted to do something. Yeah, we don't hate and Walking takes, Dead Risk. No, yeah. I don't particularly like Risk. But I think what has come out of that, and it's, I mean, you know, I'm a proponent of the legacy, especially with Pandemic, but the fact that Risk Legacy became a thing, they took this popular game, did something different, and now I think it's going to be the next big thing in board gaming. That's we another all like topic. Star Wars Risk. Right. Yeah. But I think the problem I have, and the biggest problem I have with the games I really dislike is they... It's, they seem to be the ones that don't try and improve themselves. Mm. Um, Snake Oil has improved on the Cards Against Humanity formula, whereas Cards Against Humanity is just coming out with a load of expansions that don't do anything to the game other than give you more cards, possibly changing the humor to be a little bit more um, punching upwards. But, uh, you know, a game like Coup, I got utterly sick of because uh, it, it was I played a lot of it because it was a filler my group wanted. And then Coup Rebellion G54 came out, and now you have this random character thing and they've gone, hang on, this game gets tedious. Let's do something to make it less tedious. Or and now I like Coup again. There's um, Coup Reformation, which right. takes the basics of Coup and builds on it and gives you the same game but a different experience. Right. And those ones, I've taken a game I didn't like and they have redeemed themselves for me. The problem with the games that we've been talking about today is they seem to be static. Well, they're dependent on being what people expect. Right. Mm -hmm. if, if they try to change, then that actually defeats the thing that people are looking for, which is familiarity. And the irony with that is that there are, there are games um, that fall into that classic nostalgic familiarity game that isn't really a good game. And they try to update themselves. They try to make something new. And that's not what our customers want. Yeah. The new Guess not Who with least. guessing a pizza or guessing a, an airplane mm. instead of guessing Tom in his jaunty hat uh, <laughs> fails to be Guess Who. Uh, similarly, Clue with the double-sided board with different locations. And now it's not Colonel Mustard and Professor Plum. It's just Mustard and plum. Nobody wants that because it's not what they're used to. Um, so there are games that try to change and try to make themselves hipper, but they fail. And so they go back, they devolve back to what they were originally. Well, Clue confused me enough by making Green no longer a reverend. He's a mister <laughs> over here, whereas he's a reverend in England, which is... <laughs> It took me a while to get used to that. I kept tripping up when I started teaching it at the cafe. Anyway, um, sorry, tangent. Are, are we too harsh? Should we be nicer about these games that we hate? No, why? Steve, no. Why? Just, just, well, why would we no, want... Steve, Steve, why David, would that even so occur David, to you? David, should, should we be Burn nice them all. Burn them. <laughs> Kill it with fire. Nuke it from orbit. <laughs> uh, I think that's it for this week, everyone. <laughs> I'm going to throw in a quick... Uh, yes, I think, I think there's a certain amount of situational thing. 
But um, at the same time, I think I, I would encourage people to be open-minded. And if you can them. find somewhere uh, like Snakes and Lattes where you can go and have somebody say, oh, you like this game, here's something that does it slightly differently but will scratch the same itch, give it a go. Just see, see how it runs with you. But I, don't th- I think there's only an, a, an extent to which a game can be ragged on. Okay, that's enough negativity for two weeks. We're going to put the shoe on the other foot next time and talk about games we love that everybody else seems to hate. Won't that be fun? <laughs> It'll be more fun than this. <laughs> It'll be more fun than life. <laughs> if there's some other topic that you'd like to hear about on the show, please tweet it to us at SnakesCast or post it on the Snakes and Lattes Facebook page. Steve, David, thank you for being here. <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Nuke it from orbit! The Snakes Cast is produced by P.T. Douglas, and the music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show definitely belong to the people in it, and most certainly not the company behind it. I own my opinions. <sighs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Game on. Batman! Batman! <laughs> <laughs>